Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. This is episode this is officially episode one of Chasing the Backlog, and this is and I am FP Chase. And last year was an interesting year. Started off very interesting for the for the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. As for the first time, the foreign language film also won Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Screenplay. And the speech given by Bong, by the uh, director of Parasite, Bong Joon-ho, I hope I said that right, was simple. Just read the subtitles, and you absolutely should. Uh, today's film is Parasite. Well, this episode's film is Parasite. And it's it's incredible. A uh, little backstory on it. This was uh, Bong Joon Ho is a huge director in, in his home of South Korea, and this was a film that did incredibly well. Just looking up here, BAFTA, Golden Globe, Screen Actors Guild. Uh, it won the top award, Screen Actors Guild, BAFTA, Golden Globes, and of course he swept. Well, practically swept the Oscars, uh, screenplay, directing, and picture, and it's a hell of a film. Uh, it's centers around it centers around class in South Korea, which is timely for everywhere in the world. Whether it's the you know, uh. You know, during pandemic, obviously, there's been a lot of talk of how much money Bezos has made and others in, of his ilk. This one, it doesn't do good and evil, though, in terms of rich and poor. And I'm sure there's people who absolutely disagree with that. And the wealthy family in this is... Interesting. It's definitely one you could. It's you could see that family on in any quote unquote developed nation. I know this is. I know this seems very Korean film, but you could see. I could see those same sorts of people in England, America, Australia. Take your pick. And I think that's what makes this film as good as it is. That. You know, these, uh, you know, this is a film that the whole world can see taking place in their country, yet it's very much a South Korean film. And that film is about, to me at least, uh, people who aren't necessarily con men but are not adverse to taking on a con if you will to not to sort of better themselves but also just get by and i'm not jumping into spoilers in this but it leads to moments of just fantastic tension hilarious comedy 
and tragedy. And it's all just directed gorgeously. And the script is tight. I like I'm I'm an anime watcher. I'm not averse at all to watch to reading subtitles, but this one I found myself rewinding a few times to see like wait. I think I missed some context in that line, so I re and re-listened to the voice to the vocal performance by this incredible group of actors who frankly absolutely deserve every not every award they were given and i i'm kind of sad no one was nominated for uh at least no one won for the acting awards at the academy because there's a few that definitely deserve it in this and to kind of jump into and to kind of swing back around to the the synopsis of the film the basic one um this this family who lives in a basement apartment or of some sort i don't i'm not that familiar with terminology for it in, this, in south korea but they they definitely live in kind of what we consider skid row barely getting by stealing wi-fi from something nearby you know, have a change of luck after a lucky stone, and I'm I'm underselling this probably by saying this, but a a lucky rock is given to them by a friend, and then one gets in as a tutor for a wealthy family, his uh, daughter, and just slowly the rest of the family works their way in, and the setup to each of those is fantastic every actor plays their bit to perfection in this there's there's not a bad performance in the film even from the little kid who's just basically playing a rambunctious little kid but even he's doing it really damn well uh as you can tell there's, I'm, there's nothing wrong with this movie <laughs> um and i'm 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 sitting there and i'm watching it and i'm just like this is Every actor plays off everyone else so well, and there's their general com camaraderie in the family unit, and there's a genuine kind of disconnect in the wealthy family unit, which is something of a trope amongst uh, you know in cinema. But it's it's an accurate trope. You know, there's always you know there's always a line that you know uh, kids who grow up. In wealthy families know the name of the housekeeper more than they know the name of their own mom because a lot of times they're they tend to be raised by someone else and this one definitely dives more it definitely dives into like kind of the classes and it it wants maybe maybe it wants you to kind of root for the for the poor family, but aside from general lack of kindness, these aren't terrible rich people. They're not evil. They're they're not stealing from the poor. They're they are employing people. And the one scene in the one man's office 
there's nothing Gordon Gecko about him, or there's nothing really Bezos about him. Like he's not this guy who's you know paying people you know a non-living wage or anything to make himself more money. He's just you know he's he's in tech as far as we know. And he's probably never wondered where his next meal is coming from, unlike the other family. His wife is, they refer to her as simple in the film, and she reminds me of like the the mom who would have Herbalife on the back of her car and, you know, does all the fad diets and and that sort of thing probably has a lot of goop in her house. You know, she might use, she might, you know, use the egg, if you will. Um, but she's not, a, she's not an evil person. She's, you know, you know, these are people who just don't know what it's like anymore or never knew what it's like. You know, I went through that in high school. People I knew in high school, you know, did not know what it was like to be poor. <laughs> you know? Some did, some definitely didn't. Uh, and the kids don't know any better because they're they're born into this. They've only seen this. So, but I think that's important that they're not treated as cliche evil rich people. They do talk a lot about the way about smell, which I think is the most kind of villainous thing they do. But the ideas of You know them, ver them, as opposed to this other family who is struggling to get by, comes into this lucky, you know, gets this lucky stone, and now all of a sudden they're they're finding luck by basically conning this family. It's the way they work. Like early on, there's talk of the little boy going through a trauma, and. It sounds like like BS at the start, but it's like, oh, there there's something here. And the way it swings back to explain that and explain the, you know, you know just where they're going with this film and what they wanted to say. And it all comes around to this, like... It's just chaotic crescendo of just no one's actions entirely making sense. But that's set up. Like, th like the script is so tight that nothing feels fake or a lie or wrong in the character's motivations. Money safety love well, minus the the underage part which is a small part of the film but just is a little creepy because I'm not entirely sure of the age of the boy the age of the of the of the male uh, character from, from the poor family and the the teenage girl I'm not sure how how old he's supposed to be 
I'm sure he's like at the most early 20s. At the very most. But this but everyone's motivation is is so well informed to the viewer and so well explained on screen. You're you know, whether it's the housekeeper or the or the father, the mother, they're all like they played to perfection, and that perfection includes how they get across who they are, what they are, what their goal is. There's a there's an amazing line when everything starts to unravel. And he's asked, Dad, what's your plan? And you find out exactly why they're in this situation in the first place. And I'm not going to tell you what it is because you need to see this movie. You, you need to see what's going on, how, why, and just how screwed up those last about 10 minutes are, especially the garden party. I'll tell you that. The garden party sealed the deal for me on why this is such a great this is such a great film because there's no there's no reason it had to escalate that far. But at that point, once you've hit that that moment, it makes perfect sense. Every there's you know there's foreshadowing mentioning this and that that sets up what happens there it's just like this is such an amazing film just watch it i i don't want to go too deep into it because you need to see it and i'm so glad that it that it got the press it did that it got the awards it did because otherwise this would probably only be in kind of film snob circles here in the States instead of the plateau that it's now on where you can legitimately say that this is one of the best films of its ilk looking at class structure around and being able to point the finger at South Korea because that's what they know but you could see this having been made with certain tweaks to certain things in America, in Europe, in Africa, in South America, in Australia. This is this this film could be a transcontinental class struggle story. And I mean I could think of how to write it right now and change maybe maybe three or four scenes, you know, because it's, you know, it's, it's just very good. And Bong Joon-ho's writing compliments his direction, him, him and his co-author, him and his co-writer on this. Give me a second here. I have notes. Uh, Han Jin Won, and I'm terribly sorry if I, 
if I mess that up. Because they've they've written this just this, this perfect film and it 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 has these amazing like almost slapstick uh, comedy moments and every character is yet human you know the there's this lovely bit there's this lovely little bit with walkie-talkies between the rich dad and his son that humanizes him incredibly because he's just, you know, he's, you know, letting his son be a little boy and run around. It's not hurting anyone. You know, they're, they're keeping in contact on walkie-talkies. That's really cool. You know, um, this film, it's, it's, there's also this, this wonderful kind of undercurrent of, like we're in this together to a certain extent with a few of the characters. And it's lovely. Even though I, I looked at one of them and said, why are you still with him? <laughs> but that's kind of life. You know, like you look at certain people, you're like, like, have you not beaten the shit out of him yet? That's, <laughs> You know, that's that's life, ain't it? And and he's concocted this this damn near perfect film about about life, about how shit sometimes hits the fan and you don't know what to do. You know, there's 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 fantastic the awkward moments in this film just like there is in life and that's one of my favorite parts of cinema is when it feels human and it feels almost lived in and this hits it so well and you're 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 looking at a character you're looking at characters who who, you know, go into a situation and come out completely different. And that's, that's the story. That's, that's literally a film. <laughs> but you're, you know, and then the little bits and pieces that stand out in this are, you know, aside from the actors who are, amazing the writing and the directing which is amazing production design cinematography are top line there's a there's a scene with a coffee cup in a car and it's how he breaks in a new driver because the, the rich dad he doesn't drive himself he drive you know he knows how to drive but he you know he works long hours he prefers not to drive himself He's testing the guy's ability to corner by having a coffee cup, kind of just like lazily sitting in his hand with with coffee in it. But that's how he does that's how you know he does it. And it's so simple, but it's like, okay. Like, alright, that's how he tests him. You you get it. 
and and uh, I will say this: I I don't agree with like I said. I don't think there are heroes in this story. Everyone is to a certain extent terrible, but also to a certain extent sympathetic, like most humans. You know, uh, you know, most of us are flawed individuals, and it's so nice to see honest, flawed characters, because you don't get that a lot right now. A lot of people are, a, a lot of characters are written overly altruistic or, you know, almost mustache twirling villains, and. If you're trying to be serious about it, about something, that doesn't work. It takes away from what you're trying to say about this by having such a stark, like, this is the good, this is the bad. And sometimes it, it works. Sometimes it does work. But in a film like this where, you know, no one's really evil, though the rich family, when they talk about smell... It's like, all right, all right, I, we get it, <laughs> we get it. Poor people got an odor. Shut up. <laughs> but they don't, you know, the, the actors don't go. They don't like, you know, uh, stick their nose up and uh, literal stick their nose up and don't sniff the air. You know, they, they still treat them as people, even if they're very condescending to them. And that's just how it all weaves into that, that garden party that I mentioned before. It, and I, I audibly went like, no, during that scene, like. And how there's not a nice little bow tied on the film. There's not a, a happy ending, if you will, for this film. Just a very honest ending. And just, just, a, just an amazing piece of work by, by an amazing director. Um, I want to say he was also the director... Of Snowpiercer. Yes, he was the director of Snowpiercer, the host. And by the way, if you've not seen Snowpiercer, absolutely see Snowpiercer. Also by Bong Joon Ho. He he knows how to tell a great story through through a mixture through visuals through letting actors act. Which is another thing I love, and you're going to hear me talk about this a lot when a film does it, when the director says action and lets actors go without having to quick cut for close-ups and things like that. When a director just lets the actors act and play out a scene, play out or even play out a page or two of a scene. And obviously they're doing coverage later on to get you know reaction shots if they need them or 
or what have you, but just let your actors act and you will get magic. And there's scenes in here where the camera doesn't move for a solid minute, maybe two, and it, and it looks so good. And that's a tribute also to the director of photography. His lighting is stellar. The the use of the use of lighting, the use of shadows, the use of tracking shots, rarely, but when they need to be done. And production design, which also won an Academy Award, along with editing. The production design, this house, like the, the rich people's house, it feels sterile. Like, you know, when you walk into an office building and it's like, you can tell that people work here. But you're not sure. Because there are things on the walls, but everything's clean. There's, it doesn't look like anything's been touched. And yet this is a seemingly happy family that lives there. You know, he never does answer the question about him loving his wife, though. <laughs> and I'm kind of glad they didn't add in like a mistress subplot. That's your one spoiler. There's no mistress subplot. Uh, because I think that would just be, that would just be needless. Because it's about two hours and 12 minutes and it's tight. But don't complain about the subtitles. Little reading won't kill you. Especially if you're reading Parasite. Thank you. And programming note. Uh, Judas and Black Messiah is no longer on HBO Max. I'm I'm bummed. I love the Keith Stanfield. So I'm going to have to catch that when it comes back around. But I have something in the... I have something I can watch instead. And... Uh, to add, uh, obviously, we're a few days post the uh, mass shooting in Atlanta. You know, do not fetishize another race. Do not hate another race. You know, I've had the great fortune of knowing some incredible. Uh, people from Asia and and uh, Pacific Islands. I've worked with them. I've gotten to know them as people. I've gotten to know their their stories of how they came to the United States. And these are and just be better. <laughs> be better, man. You know, just you know, don't. You know, you know, Asians are people, which is, you know, obvious. <laughs> but let them, you know, like, don't fetishize them. Don't, don't blame them for a virus. It's not their fault. You know, just, just, just be better people. You know, 
I'm, I'm saying that as a, as a as a white man. My race needs to be better, and I promise you I won't get political too much on this, but this needs to be said, and that feels like a good outro for this for this episode. I did not, in, in maybe that's why I watched Parasite tonight was because I wanted to celebrate Asian cinema. I don't know. I just scrolled through Hulu, which is where I watched this on. And I was like, oh, yeah, Parasite. Okay. But, you know, uh, take care of yourselves. And love thy neighbor. Uh, and I got to wrap this up. Uh, you can find me at a... Uh, on Twitter uh, at Telland21, that is T-E-L-I-L-A-N-21, the number also on Instagram under the same. Uh, let me know if you're liking the show. This is episode one, the previous episode was episode zero. This is Chasing the Backlog, I am FP Chase, and you uh, are lovely. Thank you. <laughs>